Welcome, citizen, to the Watchtower. My name is Gary. And my name is Ben, and we'll be your guides as you peruse the archives of the world's greatest superhero group, the Justice League. And we hope that you'll join us on today's adventure. Welcome to episode 47, Wild Cards Part 1. The Joker takes over a bunch of TV stations to give us commentary for his latest crime, setting dozens of bombs up throughout the city, giving the Justice League only a half hour to disarm them all. He introduces the Royal Flesh Gang, who have the voices of the Teen Titans, and fight the Justice League one-on-one as they race around the city. Green Lantern pushes Hawkgirl out of the way of an explosion, and she cries out his name in terror. Joker episode... Yeah. And yeah. it's not diluted by any Lex Luthor, Solomon Grundy shenanigans. No, this is Joker at his Jokeriest. Yeah, and, and we should get right into the big gimmick of the arc, yeah. which yeah. is that it's all shot as though it's from Joker's perspective. Well, not from right. his perspective, but he's got like a bunch of cameramen watching uh, the events unfold throughout the city, and he's doing color commentary on it the whole time. <laughs> right. Yeah, he's the narrator. It's very yeah. interesting. It's 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 a pretty cool way to do this, honestly. Um, it is. Yeah, I, I didn't love the arc entirely. Like, there's some structural points that I think are not great, but for a Joker episode, I was uh, I was pretty into <laughs> the gimmick of him being the uh, the uh, the master of ceremonies, as it were, for this whole yeah. event. Yeah. I, I can say without a doubt, I've never seen anything quite like this. And I'm a sucker for any time that like a show does real time. Oh yeah. And and this this one is heavily into that, although not quite. Not quite, but it does break it up between both parts. But still, it's the clock is counting as we're watching, which is a neat thing. Yeah, it it puts on the amount of time that is required for them to get to the climax in the second half, like, and right. no more, like 23 and a half minutes or something. He puts yeah. <laughs> it on the screen and he's like, yeah, that looks like about enough time, which, which is a nice, like a little meta joke at the, uh, I always appreciate those. Um, like in adventure time, they have that one episode that's like, uh, well, I bet you, I can clear this dungeon in 11 minutes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, right. pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, and then, it, you know, just the tone of the Joker comes through everything. Because, yeah, bombs are dangerous, but we don't have any, like, personal stakes invested. It's just manufactured crisis that they have to go, you know, deal with. And there, there's right. there's not really a lot of personal beef on the line, really. No, not really. It is a tame enough situation that you can heighten all the dialogue that makes it seem silly without mm-hmm. it seeming crass. You know, like if, if there was like something horrific going on, like uh, any of the Dr. Destiny stuff, you, you can't really oh, yeah. tell jokes in that episode. Not well, True. anyway. Right, right. Uh, they could try. I wouldn't put it past them, but yeah. Yeah. And this is also in a real world setting too. Like, I mean, we've had, what? Um, Gorilla City, which is Oh, you mean, the, and- you mean LA? <laughs> Yeah, uh, Las Vegas, yeah, oh, is, Las is Vegas. where the majority of this takes place. Yeah. There is a nice dig at L.A. in this episode, which very is Very nice, very nice. <laughs> well, yeah, let's uh, let's get into it. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the episode opens in a way that I'm not thrilled about because it, it, it opens up on the Watchtower and Hawkgirl and Green Lantern are kind of like foreshadowing, hey... We're going to have to talk about whatever this is at some point. Right. Which right. doesn't go with any of the arc. 
no. at all? <laughs> no. So, like, they knew they needed to deal with it, like, the, mm-hmm. the, the sexual tension. Uh, right. But they didn't really recognize that... <laughs> I don't know. It it seems weird to deal with all like that's that's the other part of this arc is that that comes to a boil, right? Um, and it seems like a weird choice to do it during the Joker highlight jokey episode. I would expect it to be during an arc wherein one of the two of them is on center stage, if not both of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I kind of thought they were going to wait until the very last arc to make that happen. That would have been but a way to do it. Yeah, cart before the horse. Yes. Um, yeah, so it does, it starts with a really, like, it almost sounds sexual the way that, like, it's just panning in on the watchtower and it's like, no, you put it in there, or whatever, you know, like, it yeah, sounds... Yeah, very clearly. It sounds weird. Yeah, there's a lot of double entendre with this episode, which does fit there the is. Joker thing, because he is, yeah. uh, alternatively, well, actually, I have some Joker lore, if you don't mind me getting right into our character highlight. That would be fantastic. So, the Joker... Originally created by Bill Finger, Bob Kane, and Jerry Robinson, and first appeared in the debut issue of the comic book Batman of April 25th, 1940. Debut issue, mm. Gary. Makes sense. So the, the credit for Joker's creation is disputed, but uh, he was planned to be killed off during his initial appearance, but was spared by editorial intervention, allowing him to become Batman's archenemy. Wow. And and I don't think I need to tell anyone, he is like one of the most widely recognizable uh, good foils to a superhero in comic book and, and just media in general history. Like th- yeah. this is, Batman and Joker, that relationship is so uh, prolific as to define kind of every other villain relationship in those parameters. You know, right. the, 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 like, love-hate nature of it, the, like, codependency that sort of exists, like, one of them doesn't really function without the other. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, like, I don't need to tell you who the Joker is, really. Right. The grim dark of Batman pairs with the levity of the Joker, like, nothing else really can, I don't think. Yeah, well, that's interesting, because he wasn't originally quite the same way he ended up, right? right. In the same way that Batman wasn't. Batman used to have a gun, it was more yeah. of like a noir detective and, and less into the superheroics. Mm-hmm. When Joker was created, he was originally a, just a murderous psychopath. He then turned goofy in the 1950s by the Comics Code Authority cracking down on him. Oh. And then he turned dark again in the early 70s, and then Heath Ledger kind of immortalized the role, and Mark Hamill immortalized the voice acting for all of yeah. the DC animated series. I think this is Mark Hamill here, right? It is. It it's, sounds like he's recorded remotely. Something is off with the vocals in this episode, but... Yeah, I I, I think that the read is good. Uh, maybe just the yeah. audio is a little weird. I noticed it with Kevin Conroy's Batman, too. It sounded like hmm. they were not in studio for this one for some reason. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. Uh, he has no superpowers, uh, much like Batman. But he is a expert in poisons and explosives... And he's really into the clown thing. So expect a lot of exploding pies and exploding cigars and laughing gas that's actually like, you know, vaporized asbestos. You know, all, all sorts of trickery and chicanery by this dude. Uh, he has some nicknames, which I don't know if you're familiar with all of them, but I think they're worth mentioning. What Do, do you know any of them? Uh, the... What that something Prince? I've yeah, heard. yeah, the, yeah. The clown yeah. Prince is that almost? You're, you you got to finish it out at the end. There's some alliteration uh, involved. 
the clown mm. prince of Kakapupu. Ooh, Kakapupu. Uh, clown prince of crime. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Clown prince of crime. Uh, Harlequin of hate, which I think came Ooh. about before Harley Quinn was ever introduced. Yeah. The ace of knaves, which is mm. not bad. And the jester of genocide, which seems like kind of a, a different level of intensity. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> uh, a couple other things. He apparently can't feel fear because he can be exposed to Scarecrow's toxin and his response is just saying boo. And he has <laughs> no interest in who Batman is behind the mask, including like in the Harley Quinn um, animated series. Uh, he... Like, I, I think it's Two-Face or something rips Batman's mask off, and it shows him with Bruce Wayne, and he hates that he ripped the mask off, because it's like, it, now, it's, now, it, there's, now it's not interesting. You ruined the romance. <laughs> it, like, he's, he's berating someone as though it, like, he removed the, uh, the wrapping on his Christmas present. <laughs> Part of it is because I think it's like some uh, pseudo-erotic kind of roleplay yeah. in his right. mind. Um, there, there are a lot of, it's not merely the fanfickers who got at this. Like, <laughs> it's stated in some comics that, like, he has a love of Batman that is not entirely, like, platonic, right? Right. Like, right. there is there is something going on in that crazy brain of his. Uh, mm. And I love that he is treated that way. Yep. He apparently, and this is why I bring up that, you know, um, the, the, the sexual tension makes sense for a Joker episode is because he can be either very sexual or asexual, depending on the writer. Hmm. And it, uh, if, if there was anyone who could be labeled pansexual, like he's a very Deadpool kind of type where it's just like anything that moves. Right. <laughs> is, is kind of how I feel like he would, uh, he would treat everything. So he's got the hots for Batman, but he also has that Harley Quinn thing. Uh, right. That doesn't make him a good boyfriend. No, very bad in fact. Yeah. Uh that that's the Joker baby. Uh cool. Gary, what do you what do you think of the Joker? You know, he's not my favorite Batman villain, but I've I've always liked him. I mean, I think I I struggle to see how anyone could not like the Joker in in some sort of capacity. I mean, yeah, he's Okay, from from a psychological standpoint, I understand he's very pr- problematic to like, but just as a character, I think he's one of the most interesting. Well, the incels in- love him now after 2019. Oh, because uh, apparently the uh, there there was like a, a a lot of like incel fandom of the the movie The Joker, which I think is I think should take a backseat to the fact that it uh, you know dealt with mental health crisis in a in a decent way. But yeah, internet gonna be internet. <laughs> can't can't fix internet. I do like the Joker, um, maybe maybe just because I was kind of coming into my own in terms of my media appreciation with uh, The Dark Knight, like kind of that sure. whole era was where I started kind of paying attention, sitting up and being like, oh, this character works in ways that I wasn't able to previously articulate. Um, mm. But I do like Batman a lot, and it's a good foil to him. So, yeah. Yep. Hero yep. villain. It, it's very, like, uh, a twisted inversion, you know? Yeah, yeah. And for me, like my favorite, my favorite Batman villain is probably Riddler, who I I always kind of see as Diet Joker in a way. <laughs> yeah, like he wants to be Joker, but Joker beat him to it. Right, right. He, he's not nearly as as off the rails as Joker is, but he does enjoy playing with Batman mm-hmm. in in fun ways. Yeah, his, his, his Batman's side piece. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I forgot, uh, I had one more uh, note about Joker, which is that 
he canonically does not have a defined uh intri- like a like an incident like a starting incident that made him the way he is oh like okay. his history is opaque uh and it right. is designed like that mm-hmm. again how do you know how i got these scars and just like the multiple choice past is really uh elemental to his to his uh to his personality to his character uh and i love it right right i never much cared for what they did in tim burton's batman by giving him the name jack napier and by making him the man who killed bruce's parents like oh yeah that's that's really bad and dumb yeah yeah Uh, i think he basically uh fell into a vat of chemicals in like one of the most recent one of the most uh regularly referenced origins of the joker is that he fell into a vat of chemicals while masquerading as the red hood which is a batman villain also oh and uh he was being tailed by batman and that's when he fell into the vat of chemicals and that turned him crazy and turned his his face all white and his hair green and uh presumably he found some mascara after that um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm curious what the origin is in Batman the Animated Series. I feel like it's a vat of chemicals, but I don't think they go into it too much. I'd have to revisit that. I, I don't want to look. I don't want to know it. You know, it, yeah. it's a lot like Batman's mask. Like, I don't want to see who's behind it. it it's right. the Joker now. Now it yeah. is the Joker. Like, um, yep. it's very v, v for Vendetta. Like, sure. Yeah, there's a face behind this mask, but it doesn't it it, it, it would just be it would just be a different mask like you're you're not actually yeah. <laughs> you're seeing what's real here you are right. observing the real me no yeah. matter yeah. what you think of that exactly it's like us our faces are mysteries to our listeners it's true let's not ruin the the men behind the podcast cowl mm-hmm. yep <laughs> as it is said as it is said so um yeah Cut, cuts from the watchtower them doing this will they won't they kind of stuff to um right. batman in a TV executive's like boardroom, he like just drops out of the vents or something and be like, "All right, cut the feed." Wait, what? Right. You're Batman. Okay, I guess I do what you tell me to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he cuts the feed, but the Joker has actually bought out all of the TV stations <laughs> <laughs> to right. uh, to air this um, to air this 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 chase throughout the city to dismantle a bunch of time bombs. And man, he's just Mark Hamill hamming it up. Yep. Hamlin yep. it up. Addressing yeah. <laughs> the audience directly. Like, yes. hey, audience, you're going to want to watch this. Like, addressing you and me, Gary, as we're watching it. Hey, pay attention. <laughs> there are no walls. They are all broken. Yeah, they're, they're gone. <laughs> Which, Which is on a uh, on a voice actor note, uh, you mentioned the executive that Batman busts in on. That's John McGinley, who you probably know as uh, Dr. Cox from Scrubs. No. But, yeah. Really? But he was also... The Adam in DC franchise history. So between oh. the Joker gang and him, there's all sorts of cross synergy in this episode. Voice yeah, that's that's wild. Yeah, I, d- yeah. I did not know that. Yep. Um, it, it is so easy to outshine other vocal performances when you have a Mark Hamill. Oh, yeah. That I'm, I'm kind of amazed that they bothered to pay anyone else. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I know. It would have worked. Joker, you know, he's directly addressing us. He's like, uh doing his you know very um flamboyant performance which i'm here for yep the ticking clock on screen is just like a really nice framing device for the episode like the the clock never goes away essentially right it's just it's there for the whole time we get to see in real time what is going on and see the uh 
I mean, it's, you know, it's all theater. Like, there's no actual stakes to it. But you can imagine seeing the ticking clock gives it a sense of urgency for the Justice League, if not for us directly, which I, I don't hate. It does. It creates that immersive experience of we're watching this happen live on television, which is fun. Speaking of the camera movement throughout this. Yes. It's yeah. some Cloverfield ass camera. Like we're <laughs> it looks as though it's cameramen who are not merely like stating the facts of what the Justice League went through that right. day. Like they're not all Jimmy Olsen. They're like, you know, yeah. it looks like somebody moving their field of vision to capture all of the uh all of the stuff. I don't know if you made note of that, but it looks much more organic than most of the camera shots in every other episode. Yes, I, I love that aspect of it. That's very good. That's and it's mm-hmm. it's a small touch, but it really helps sell the uh, sell the framing. Yes, I also like the game show music. <laughs> right. Da, 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 da. It feels like a like a Mario Party mini game is happening. <laughs> yeah, it does. So it's it that was that's really good to have. Like and that it happens intermit intermittently every time we like cut back to the joker and he's like "Ooh, i didn't expect that well let's take a word from our sponsors or or whatever the fuck he's doing right right did he throw to the sponsors i feel like that's the one thing that i wanted him to yeah (laughs) (laughs) it wouldn't have been hard (laughs) and just like a bunch of off brand merchandise that is like vaguely joker themed but completely illogical that would have been good (laughs) Joker sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> so you can be as cool as a Joker until it blinds you. Um, right. Uh, but yeah, that now we're we're fully into them trying to round up all of the time bombs. There's apparently a lot of them. Uh, right. Twenty five. Twenty. Twenty five. Yeah. So that means we're gonna have to split up, gang. <laughs> And so they each go out throughout the city and try to find a bunch of time bombs while being pursued by the Royal Flush Gang. That's right. Um, I, I I think he gives it in this episode the rundown of like they were government experiments and I freed them, so now they were like it. Feel, is this Umbrella Academy or <laughs> Gen Thirteen? It's it feels like it was borrowing or ripping off some other franchise. <laughs> Right, the real world, maybe. I mean, it felt like one of those, like, TV, they all live in a house. Let's learn about each one of them individually, you know, kind of things. I mean, given that they are, like, the only family they've ever known, I wouldn't have minded a little bit more in the way of banter between them. Yeah, yeah. Um, But there is a lot going on, so. We do get everyone's backstory in the first part, except for Ace. Right. He teases that he will reveal later, as will we. Yeah, I, I really like that. Again, he's speaking right to the audience. Don't worry, this is a cliffhanger. That it's it, I'm foreshadowing something, you know. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, which fun. is which is fun. Uh, and they're voiced by the Teen Titans. Greg Sipes is, uh, I think, Jack. You know, the voice of Beast Boy. Uh, Carrie Payton, I think, for mm-hmm. Cyborg. Uh, he is ten. I think so. Yeah, and you know, I I can't remember all of the other voices. I think Tara Strong is Ace. She's queen. Is she? Okay. Yeah. And Scott Menville is king? I believe. Yeah, either king or jack. I, I, I don't remember exactly. They have either super strength or telekinesis or magneto powers or... Um, Plastic stre- man Stretchy. Powers. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Fantastic. Right. 
Uh, it's just a mishmash of nonsense for them to fight while they're... It's just giving us something to look at that's vaguely right. Joker-themed while we're looking at it through Joker's perspective. Yeah, I mostly know the Royal Flush Gang from Batman Beyond. I do, too. I don't think they had those powers, did they? No, 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 no. They yeah. were just... Um, but that that was that was a different gang. That was the, okay. like... I, I think they were called, like, the Jokers with a Z. Mm. And I think they were still... Okay. They were just, like his top agents or something okay that makes uh, more and sense. terry mcginnis had a relationship with their 10 oh that's I, right if i'm if i'm not mistaken they're just something colorful for us to watch while joker is commenting on things right and that's fine like i, I think yeah. that they work as placeholder villains that we need mm-hmm. in order to get like the action scenes out of this episode so yeah. no problem there so uh yeah we, we've split up they're all kind of trying to disarm the bombs. Flash not knowing how to disarm a bomb does not feel like a thing. It feels like a this Flash thing, but not a Wally West thing. He created the Flash experiment in a lab in order to give himself the powers that the original Flash had. Whatever. Um, I do like the beat of Batman talking him through it while he's fighting Jack. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. Um, yeah, so so the, the fights are Batman fighting Stretchy Beast Boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Superman fighting fleshy cyborg, and Green Light, Green Lantern fighting Magneto Raven or Magneto Starfire, <laughs> whichever one it was. Magneto Raven, I believe. Um, Hawkgirl jumps into the Green Lantern versus Magneto Raven fight, and uh, I like that when Raven goes into attack uh, Hawkgirl. Green Lantern just goes, "Shouldn't have done that." <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> nope. That's a bad yep. idea. And then Joker comments on their sexual tension, which is, <laughs> right. oh, that's yep. that's some that's some grade A recognizing, p- playing with the conventions of the format. And yes. we can only do it because it's a Joker episode. If you told me that the point of the whole episode was to get through the, 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 through the relationship upgrade of Green Lantern and Hawkgirl while right. having somebody in the show commenting upon it i would totally believe that that was the reason here right. um but yeah uh green lantern pushes hawk girl out of the way the bomb explodes and she cries out john in a very uh in a very uh, melodramatic cliffhanger for the next episode yes a, a, a very nice ending too like just she's standing in front of this burning wreckage and it just goes to black and there's silence like yeah I thought that was a really nice, like, no, as the 2B continued comes up, just a silent screen. Yeah, that's good. It's like, it's good. That's good. And, and you know, obviously he's fine. But that, right. the point is, you can see the stress on her face and then the fade to black and then the 2B continued. It, it's it's very good at manipulating us with that uh, outro to this. Right. Well, um, no, he's not fine. He's dead at this very moment. He's he is dead. dead. He's straight up dead. <laughs> Uh, so, so join us next time for yep. uh, when uh, Guy Gardner joins the cast. <laughs> <laughs> we got it. We got to keep the people coming back. So yeah, he's dead. He's 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 aced. Iced, he's... <laughs> iced, aced, aced in this episode. That's right. That's aced right. in this episode. More on ace next episode. I'm going to get people back somehow. We're going to get them. <laughs> um. But yeah, that that's really I that's really it. Like that's all that happens right. in the episode. It's very breezy. Mm-hmm. Uh even though like it has a 
number counting down. I thought this episode just went really fast. It did. Maybe just because there's not that much story. Like, most right. of the dialogue is the Joker hamming it up as a game show host. Right. Or, or like a Bob Saget type. <laughs> right. You know? And that's all fun to listen. So, like, combat goes quick. Right. Plot dumps do not go quick. Right. Character dialogue sometimes goes quick. Joker dialogue goes very quick. So yeah. it was all action and Joker. So I, it just gave it the feeling of something very, very breezy. Yeah, yeah. And vacuous, and, it has to be and, said. There's not a lot going on. Right, right. It, yeah, this is probably the shortest rundown we've ever had for a, a plot synopsis. I don't have to describe the Imperium. I don't have to talk about John Jones's dead Martian family. <laughs> you know, there's just not a lot to dig into. No, there's not. It's um, just a Mark Hamill Appreciation Day over here at the Watchtower. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and Harley is in this, as as you very briefly she mentioned. She is, we'll, yes. We'll get into her a little bit more later. A lot but, more later. Oh. Oh, oh my. Um, <clears throat> what could that mean? What could that mean? Is it just me or are there a lot of dead air pauses like uh there's a couple moments where it like cuts to harley reacting and she doesn't really say anything oh yeah yeah i'm sorry i thought you meant on the podcast um no no no, no. I there, mean, there, in there the are those two uh in the episode yeah did you notice did you notice any of that like i we talked about it fast it was also like a very plot light episode i yeah. wonder how much they had to fill yeah, I don't know. It was like that old G.I. Joe beat, like, yes. where they had to pause so nobody would overlap the other one as they were recording. Oh, is that the reason of it? Yeah. Yeah. It, it yeah. does feel like it's, like, 10 years outdated by the industry standard or something. A little bit, and maybe maybe someone was recording remotely in that one, and they just hadn't mastered the technology yet. I mean, it does go back far, because, I mean, even the original DuckTales launch pad was in a completely different area, the guy who voiced him. So, I mean, they had the technology. I just don't know how frequently they used it. I, I, I don't love giving them that benefit of the doubt. You just, it, I feel like that could have been edited better if that was the case. That's very true. Yeah. Like this feels uniquely like this episode was, I mean, it was fast, which made me mm -hmm. notice the dead air more. Maybe there That's was true. equal amounts of dead air to any other episode, but because it felt slower, it didn't like take up as much relative, you know, ratio screen time or whatever. Um, right. I don't know that like the pacing feels a little off, and the 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 narrate the, the the actual plot structure of this episode is uh, just completely fucking chopped to pieces. There's right. there's no. There's no context for the Royal Flush Gang. The right. John, the 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 Green Lantern Hawkgirl stuff just evaporates off the face of the earth from the first scene into the last scene, um, right. and then the middle is all just Mark Hamill being Mark Hamill. So like none of the pieces really connect to the other ones in a satisfying right. way. So like on a structure level, I think this episode's pretty weak, even though sub sub substantially, I think that all of the the meat of it, the, the Mark Hamill stuff is very right. good. Um, but right. I don't know. I don't know what your take on it is. You know, I, I, I agree with everything you're saying, but I'm almost willing to give them a pass because this is so different. This is not like anything I've ever seen before and, and not really since. So the fact that 
they were willing to try this. And even if there are those awkward blank spaces, you know, that, that are noticeable, it's like, this is unfamiliar territory. If that's the worst they've got going on, besides, you know, like you mentioned, the how the Green Lantern Hawk Girl stuff doesn't tie in terribly well. No, it doesn't. But for us as people who have been, and maybe this is better tabled for later, but for us as people who have been watching the show since episode one all year long, like this is the arc we've been waiting for. And well, it's the moments that we've been waiting for. The arc is right. just doing oh, something yeah, the sorry. fuck else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but it does connect on that level, that level of continuity. However, in the arc, I don't know how well it fits. I wonder if it was a balance thing where um, yeah. it's it's a it's a super serious uh, arc. The, the whole relationship thing isn't a serious arc. The actual plot mm-hmm. of this episode is very goofy. So maybe they like right. didn't want to go too maudlin or serious or uh, focus too much on the relationship if that would be squeaky for the censors. I, I'm not sure. Right. Like... Yeah. Something felt very unbalanced here. Right. And I don't I don't I don't feel great about it, but like <laughs> you know, uh I I guess I just kind of felt bad that the moment that we had been waiting for wasn't handled in a better episode. Like with better surroundings, better better right. thematic surroundings of like anything about either Hawkgirl or uh GL's backstory like maybe there's like a chance for hawk girl to be able to go back to thanagar and she just barely misses it because she has to make a choice whether to return or to save john uh john or i, I don't know i'm just spitballing right. here but maybe that would have felt too serious right um and yeah. i don't know i, I don't know I don't what know. it is again i think i think we're still a little cart before the horse here um but i Fact. mean we're, we're we're chomping at the bit just to to, to talk about the finale of 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 the next True. Art. True, true, true. So true. let's, uh, I don't know. Do we just want to wrap this one up with episode highlight? I, I guess so. Yeah, it was a breezy episode. So um, might, as well, might as well t- put, it a, put a bow on it. Put a, you know, spring-loaded pie on in, in <laughs> underneath the uh, the present that we're wrapping up here. Right. Um, my episode highlight is just the entire different perspective framing device. I agree with you that it does... There is value in variety, yeah. Bereft any uh, any actual substance. Like the fact that they're trying to do it, as you had stated, uh, does a lot for this episode. Right, right. Okay, so I mean, like my my episode highlight is Joker narrating this episode in a near real time concept. So basically, it's exactly everything you said. It's it's just so oh. cool. I mean, yeah, the the twin pillars upon which this episode stands are Mark Hamill's voice performance and yes. the novelty of the framing device. Right. Both of which are very, very strong, and you will be focusing on them to the exclusion of everything else. I don't think I even right. talked about any of the fight scenes, because they didn't matter at all in this episode. No. Was there one that stood out to you? Uh, no, not really. I mean, just Batman fighting Jack, but that's only because Flash had him on, you know, had him on speakerphone the whole time, which... Give it a little extra pepper. Yeah, I just want to call out a couple quick things. Not, sure. I mean, none of the fight sequences really impressed me that much, but I loved the scene where Flash was being chased by all the coins in the casino. Um, uh, as a uh, casino, Queen Queen was controlling like all oh. the metallic objects, and he yeah. was running around. 
Yeah, that's um, a, that's a good set piece, like environmental hazard kind of awareness. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, and they do some they do a bunch with that in the next episode because most of the fighting is taking place in the in the casino there. So right, yeah, and then there's that's good. There's one other brief moment where Batman is walking down a hallway and you see pictures behind him. And then in some real like Scooby-Doo level shit, one of the pictures eyes move and it's Jack as he's like formed himself into a picture and he jumps down and tackles Batman from behind. I wish I had noticed that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My, my, my focus was totally scrambled on this episode. <laughs> so I must've looked away for like half a second, but that's all it takes. Scooby-Doo antics is very Joker episode. So <laughs> yeah. points for that. Yeah. And then just got to give a shout out to the little old lady playing slots or, or whatever. She, uh, she is fine here. <laughs> Next episode. I got a bone to pick with her. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll get, get him. Get we'll get there. <laughs> all right. Well, that, that'll do it for this episode. Uh, Gary, tell, ask me where I can, where I can be found. Hey, uh, Hey, Ben, hmm. where can people find you? People can find me in a, an experimental government mental facility uh, so they can turn me into a super soldier with my secret power, uh, nose bubbles. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll leave the, I'll leave the, I'll leave it to the uh, listener as an exercise to determine what that means. <laughs> uh, but wh- while I'm doing that, uh, I am also doing my podcast with my brother, called the Cartoncast. We review old cartoons to see what we think of them as adults. You can find it at fancybat.clog slash clartomclaps. <laughs> and uh, Gary, where can people find you? Um, well, actually, weirdly, like three weeks ago in Las Vegas. But currently, I'm here, wherever that may be. Uh, <laughs> I can be found... <laughs> I can be found at the Wax Nostalgic Network. Links for everything, including... Fancybat.clartoncast. Yeah, Clark, Clark. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Clark, Clark Gablecast. I don't know what Clark I said. Gablecast. <laughs> Everything can be found in the show notes. So thank you guys for listening, and we will be back with part two. Thank you for listening to The Watchtower. To find out more about this show or any of our other shows, visit us on the web at www.waxnostalgicnetwork.com.